That song is one of my favorite songs to really glorify the Lord in. And we do carry the Lord's name everywhere we go. And because we carry the Lord's name, God has his promise upon us. And so today, this is, I mean, I'm really excited about today, about a couple things. Number one, um, for those that were at Campus Worship at Elevate on Thursday night, how about raise your hand if you were at Campus Worship? Great, you're going to be my amen corner on this because I showed you this Thursday night. And see, we do carry Jesus' name, but there are other people who try to make fun of other people's names. So it is my responsibility... To, to protect the church. And so when people try to make fun of the church, well, we've got to let them know who's boss. So I, I, I cut my hair uh, to show you my, my great hairline. Uh, you can see that my hairline is, is, um, is changing. Is that a good way to say it? I'll just say, I'm losing my hair. Is that okay? But I told them Thursday night, I'm not losing my hair. I've told you this before. You don't lose your hair. For those people in this room that don't have a lot of hair, I stand with you, my brothers and the Lord. It doesn't mean that we don't have a lot of hair. It just, we don't have a lot of hair up here. It grows underground and comes out places. Probably it shouldn't come out. But nonetheless, so somebody in this church fellowship who was not carrying the name of Jesus sent me a text. And in this text, which was sin, by the way, I just want you to know, I think it's our job to call out sin in this church, that this person sent me this text and they said that um, I started getting these texts from the hair club for men. Yeah. Somebody in this place was sending out information to the hair club for men that I was interested in them because of my hair loss problem. So I, thus, I keep getting these texts. You are confirmed for an appointment with the hair club on September the 4th. That's this Thursday at night. Any questions? I'm going, this has got to be wrong. I'm getting these texts and somebody's messing with me. So I'm thinking, yeah, they, you know, they type this up. Any questions? Blah, blah, blah. So I'm getting ready. You got, you understand this. I'm going into a meeting at nine o'clock in the morning with the vice president at Charleston Southern. And right before I go in, I get a phone call. I get a phone call from the hair club for men in Savannah. And they say, it's 9.05, your appointment was at 9 o'clock, where are you? Now at this time, I don't feel like Christian cussing at this point, not yet. That's funny, you should laugh. And so all of a sudden I said, uh, sir, I am, I am so sorry. Uh, you know, I thought it was an emergency, I didn't know how to answer the phone. And I said, I'm so sorry, I'm walking in this meeting, I'm going to be in there for a couple hours. And uh, I said, I'm sorry, I, sir, I did not make the appointment with you. Awkwardly the man realizes that somebody punked me. So he begins to understand, without laughing at me, which he's kind of laughing, he just says, oh, it's okay, you didn't have an appointment. I said, no, sir, I did not make this appointment. He realized that somebody is now making fun of me. He says, it's okay, it'll be, it's fine, and we part ways, and everything's nice. And And then it hit me, then I look up, I said, where's this place? So it says, look like yourself again. Look what it says. Hair club changes looks and lives. They're Jesus. <laughs> so I said, that's it. I, you know what, Lord, 
Because I believe you talked to me, you're going to show me who's punking me out. You're going to show me by your grace and mercy. You're going to show me because God, you are good all the time and all the time. Somebody go ahead and say it. So I said, Lord, you know, somebody's messing with the preacher. So I got to bring the hammer because you are the shepherd and they're messing with your bride and they take a swing at the bride. They take a swing at the groom. So God, just supernaturally show me who is doing doing this to me and and the Lord showed me the man who has no hair himself is getting nose waxed some people should just learn that you shouldn't mess with certain people. Let's go to the next picture of Jeremy Pollock. Let's see. This is a, a wedding picture. And I told them Thursday night, I just want to give you hope in Jesus that if you were single in this room, if Jeremy Pollock can marry a beautiful woman like Rebecca, so you too can marry somebody beautiful. That just proves there's a Jesus that he has a wife. I just want to go that and say that on record. So I, I told them Thursday night and he sends me this text. Can we go to this next text? He sends me a text. (laughs) I want some church discipline right now. He sends me a text and he says, the pain is coming. Little did he know that I talked to Jesus. So I respond, I know the healer. So I just want you to know that when things go awry, that sometimes you just have to take your opportunities when you get a chance. And that opportunity presented itself this morning for me and Thursday night to kind of let you know about the other pastor at Summit Church who will remain nameless, Jeremy Pollitt, that who's in sin, trying to take advantage of me, that I know the healer. And so I just had to come a little bit and let y'all know that there might be a little division among the pastoral staff, but don't worry. You know who stands with God and you know who stands, well, who's lost. So uh, I wanted you to see, you have to take your opportunities. So we're in the series with this series called Your Opportunity Is Now. Your opportunity is now. And so we're looking at passages and places in scripture where Jesus called people to the now. Where there's this wonderful opportunity called the now. So phones, pads, bibles, whatever you got, memorize, you're smart. It's on summitcharleston.com, all the notes. It's on the Facebook page of Summit Church, so you can look it up right now. Luke chapter 5, let's look at a passage where Jesus talks about the now. And I said this because, yes, the school year started, everybody's back, everything's going, uh, you got kids or in elementary school, whatever. It, we're all back in the full swing of it. But the opportunity is now. I want people to stop thinking about when I get to the place and start thinking about now I'm in the place where God wants me to be. And it changes lives when we think that way. So let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1, following. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. It says, One day, 
as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, that's the Sea of Galilee. Let me just give you a quick historical notation there. Uh, Gennesaret is the northwest region of the Sea of Galilee. So if this is the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Jerusalem is down here. Sea of Galilee is here. Nazareth is about right here. Jesus was uh, raised in Nazareth. So you, you see this place. It's in the northwest section. Okay, so this north, it's a fertile region area. This is the area of Bethsaida and Bethphage, uh, uh, excuse me, Bethsaida, where they, where Peter and them were called and, and his family and James and John were called his disciples. So that's this area. That's what he uses Gennesaret. So he's talking about a region in the area of the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. First time it's used the word of God, by the way, there in the gospel of Luke. He saw the water's edge, uh, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Very important. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And you know when you speak, how it carries on the water. So it's, it's, it's brilliant to speak in an auditory way. It's like, it's like using a, a, a mic here. Same thing. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Look what it says. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners to the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, or thunder, right? Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From what, saints? From what? From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Pray with me. Lord, I am not wise. You are wise. And the Spirit gives us wisdom and discernment and knowledge and insight into every situation. Reminds us of the very words of Jesus. Lord, we come today with open hearts for you to implant something and to go ahead and water something and to go ahead and reap something because you are the Lord of the harvest. The field is white with harvest. But the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I am beseeching you today, Lord Jesus. I am beseeching you today to send out workers into your harvest. That people would say today, Jesus, get in my boat. That's what I'm asking, Lord. And I don't want to come with any wise or persuasive words because I have none. 
but I can come with a demonstration of the spirit of power because of your spirit. So you'll do it today, Lord, because you're faithful and just. You always show up. You always do. And you've always been kind and good. You're the most kind person we've ever met. You're the best person we've ever met. And so I'm asking you to do something that where people are going to say, we encountered Jesus. That's our heart's cry today. So we ask that your spirit move by the fulfillment of the resurrection. And it is in the matchless and wonderful and precious and glorified and hallelujah name of Jesus we all pray and say what, saints? Amen. So I want to say something in this passage. When we surrender to Jesus' call now, I want to give you just a couple things. When we surrender to Jesus' call now, because he's calling us into the now, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. When we surrender to Jesus' calls now, number one, here it is. The Spirit will always control the physical. The Spirit will always control the physical. Now listen, if you'll grant me a little bit of grace today. Uh, last week I was pretty hyped. Uh, this week I want just to just drop a little teaching on it. Uh, to the Spirit, let the Spirit teach you. that the, Always, always the Spirit will control the physical. What I mean by this is the Holy Spirit was showing me. The boat was first used um, uh, for the physical. It was first used for the physical. It was to go out and catch fish. But then all of a sudden, Jesus is going to use it for the spiritual. He's going to take it out there, the boat, and he's going to bring in such a huge harvest that all of a sudden the power of God and the word of God is going to be seen as true and people are going to bow their knee. When the physical is first, things won't work. Let's go back into the passage. Look at verse five. Look at the call. Simon answered, this is after Jesus said to him, uh, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answers, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I just want you to know something. You can go through life, your physical life, and you can do what you want to do. God's grant us common mercy. You can do what you want to do. Um, I want to be a teacher. Uh, I want to be an engineer. I want to be an educator. Uh, I, I want to be a coach. You know, I want to go into nursing. I want to be a medical doctor. I'm called to be this uh, stay-at-home mom. I'm called to be a stay-at-home dad. Whatever it might be, which are tremendous callings and everything. Tremendous. What I'm trying to say is this. We're all missionaries, but God calls us to a certain vocation. But let's say we just say we're going to do it ourselves. Here's the deal. When you do it in the physical, you can have success, but you will never reap. You will never reap what you can do in the spirit. And in other words, the work has to be redeemed. Look what he says there. We've worked hard. You, you work hard at those things. You work hard at your craft, but if you're doing it and God has not called you to it, here's what's going to happen. There will not be the type of harvest that could be. It will never be the type of harvest. Yes, you will touch people's lives. Yes, you will save people's lives. As far as physically, if you're in the medical field. and those stuff. Yes, you will do great things. But the manifestation at the scale that it could be will never be if it's not redeemed by the Spirit. Jesus wants to get into your boat. Very simple passage. There's no reason to, to make it more than what it is. He got into Simon Peter's boat. What's your boat? Your boat is your school. You're in high school, middle school. That's your boat. Your boat is at your house. 
Your boat is your family. Your boat is your team. Your boat is your classroom. Your boat is your job. Your boat is your grandchildren. That's your boat. And Jesus says, let me in the boat. And the first thing he does in the boat is not that he does something miraculous. The first thing he does from the boat is teach. The first thing he does in your life is you get the word of God. All of a sudden you're here today and the word of God becomes more precious to you than anything else. Let me you look at our football team. They've already had a practice this morning. Some of them are here today. Coaches are here today. They've already practiced this morning. But they know that they can't take away time from the corporate worship of God because God has to deliver something to them. He delivers something to them so they can then pass it along. That's how God works. So we want to open up ourselves today. God, am I going to let you in my boat? Some of you are saying, but John, I'm already saved. I've I've already let him in my boat. No, no, no. What I mean as believers is this. It's not that Jesus just comes with me, but that Jesus rules where I am. He's not my co-pilot. He's Lord. And so that's what we're asking today in this sense. This work has to be redeemed. Otherwise, it is hard work. Jesus wants to get in your boat. That is work, school, marriage, relationships, everything else. When Jesus gets into the boat, everything changes. The word of God begins to speak and then we begin to do the work of God. That's just how it works. And we see it played out. Your boat becomes an instrument of evangelism. Your boat becomes an instrument of teaching. It's where the word of God is proclaimed and fish are caught. You become the Bible. You, listen, you and I, when we go to the places where God has called us, people don't read. I say this over and over, but I say it over and over to you because I want you to get it and memorize it. People don't read the Bible. They read us who read the Bible. So you are the word of God to people. You say, no, no, John, Jesus is the word of God. You're exactly right. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. You are absolutely right. But since they don't read the word of God and they don't know the word of God, that is Jesus, what they do is they look to us. You say, but John, I'm not perfect. Exactly. You say, but John, I've got to be perfect to show them. No, listen, I want to tell you some of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn as a follower of Christ. The greatest lessons you'll learn is this, is that when you sin and it drives you to love Jesus more because you realize how much you need him. It's at that point when you sin and people realize that and you're sorrowful and and they see that warning and that willingness and the conviction of the spirit. They realize you're just like them, but yet you're willing to change. That speaks volumes more than being good. That's what speaks. Let him into the boat that we have there. Your boat becomes that instrument of evangelism, but here's what the Lord was showing me. We have to be willing to go deep. Go back to verse four. Look what he says. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. Say the word deep. Say the word deep. Deep is very important because it is a specific location. When Jesus gets into our lives personally, then he says, I'm going to put you in deep water. I'm going to put you in a place where God has to show up. It's not going to be an easy place. When I was growing up, I would not just get in trouble. I would get in deep trouble. Maybe you've heard that language. Maybe you've told somebody that language. Deep trouble. God is going to put you in a place where you are few and far between when it comes to Christians. 
There's not going to be maybe a huge gathering of you. And he's at this point of us gathering as Christians, training us. He's going to put us in a place that is deep. But I want you to know, whenever, whenever God, the, the spirit takes over the physical, things change. Here's the problem, though. The problem is we live by physical. We live physical. So physical begins to take precedence over spiritual. Uh, for example, relationships. Let's just hit something that's very easy. All right. Relationships usually start physical. Uh, you look at somebody you're like, how you doing? Right. It, it becomes physical. You, you look at them and you go, wow, I, there's something I want. Not most of us, very few of us in this room, I should say is this. We don't go like this. Do you see the way she carries her Bible? What? When she walks, it is like an angel swooping into the room. I see a halo. Did you hear her prayer? What? Let me tell you, I wanted to kiss her as soon as she said Jesus. The way she quoted scripture, I had tingles all over my body. I just shivered. We probably don't say that. And if somebody said that to you, you would go, stranger danger, Winnie the Pooh, I'm calling the cops. Security. You know you what? We rarely do that. It's not like we look at the spiritual side of somebody and go, woo, hot. Fire. I mean, you, we just don't look like that. But what we do is we look at somebody and you say, did you see his hair flow? The way he had that baseball cap on and his flow just flowed out. Mm. And don't get me talking about uniforms. Mm-mm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I just love the way he, mm. And so that's what we do. We look at them. And guys, you know what you're doing. Your favorite season of the year is summer. Oh, don't get all quiet on me. And we don't like winter so much. Winter people cover up, but in summer, woo! Praise the Lord for tank tops. You know what you're thinking. What happens is, here's what happens when we think that way. When we begin to think that way, that begins to what drives us. And so what happens is the physical world rules the spiritual world. And then when we need Jesus, when our physical world turns upside down, i.e., let's talk about it, somebody gets sick. Somebody gets in an accident. Something bad happens to somebody. When the physical world turns upside down, then, I mean, excuse me, physical world turns upside down, then all of a sudden, the spiritual world is ruling and we go, Jesus, I need you. Grandmother's sick. Come save her. She's about to die. Um, you know what? I've got this big test and I was on the phone last night to, to one in the morning and, um, you know, texting, uh, all this other stuff. I didn't really get to study. Uh, you blame the professor. The study guide was fuzzy. All these things happen. And all of a sudden you need God because the physical world, think about it logically. It, it, it kind of turns upside down. So then we need the spirit. And that's where we begin to get messed up. So if our physical world, if we're looking for a job, we're looking for money, we're looking for fame, we're looking for position, we're looking for popularity, we're looking at a sport, we're looking at our identity based on physicalities, then what happens is our boat 
never is used to bring in the harvest that it can. And Jesus said, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out, I'm going to prophesy, workers into his harvest. I have asked Jesus, I am asking Jesus to ask you in the spirit to be the harvesters. You say, but John, that, that's just fancy agricultural language. Really? Jeremiah 8.20. Jeremiah 8.20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. I mean, we need some people that are willing to stand up and say, Jesus, you're not going to just be in the boat, but you're going to be the Lord of the boat. The word of God is going to speak and then I'm going to do where all of a sudden our lives begin to change because the word of God has taken over our lives like we talked about last week and this week on campus where the weight of God, the word of God takes over our lives and he has more weight than anybody else. When does that happen? When does that take place? What's amazing to me is that God will use our past for his glory. When you look, when the spirit world rules the physical world, he always uses your past for his glory. Uh, people say, but John, you know, I don't really have much of past or this past. Maybe your past is just a no past. You just, you don't feel like you've even done a whole lot. Let me just give you something. Peter's past was, we didn't catch anything. I don't feel like God's done anything. Whatever your past may, we had, listen, right now we've got, we've got some workers in this room. Right now we've got workers with those children down there in, in the, the library basement, which is one of the safest places, by the way, to be on this campus. It's an amazing place. And those, they were at 915. I was so excited when I was in there and that classroom was filled with people getting prepared to work from students to adults to whatever else, children. It's just awesome to see these people giving their time. They're not getting to listen to the sermon. They're not getting to hear the singing and be involved in the course of corporate worship and the call of faith. They're not getting part, but they are serving Jesus, Lord of the boat in that room. And let me tell you something. God will use your past even when you think you can do nothing. I remember my wife kind of brought it up so I had to kind of share about it. She said, you know what? You're, you're, you're really special to this church family, blah, blah, blah. She said, even when John tried to work in children's church and it was terrible. I went, who are you talking about? Listen, I remember working with children, I would go, but this is far right for our pastor, because I didn't think God had anything for me, and, and so I was just like, well, I, I know you're calling me to serve, but it was fuzzy, I didn't know what to do, so I said, well, I'll, I'll go help with the children, because, I mean, I'm coaching football players, if I can yell at a 21-year-old, I know I can yell at a five-year-old, <laughs> like, I just know I have the gift to do that, so I go in there, and I kid you not, now listen, I started changing diapers when I was 13. I know about that stuff, man. I know. I know children can be cray-cray. But I didn't realize that they were that cray-cray. <laughs> I got in there and I said, you know, I'm, I'm getting on the ground. Like, we're we going to roll around. It's going to be, we're playing games. Like, we're going to talk about Jesus. This is going to be fun. I get in that classroom and literally within 30 minutes, I was the one at the door crying for somebody to come get me. <laughs> Them children beat me up. I, 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 I got so bad by the end, one of the five-year-olds took my heart and stomped on it. I mean, I, I, he looked at me, he said, Mr. John? I went, what? No, I didn't really say what, I just said what. He goes, 
when's Miss Lynette coming back? I was like, shut your mouth. No, I didn't say that. Um, but I, I knew at that point I was a failure. I said, Lord, I, I can't even... I can't even get this right. How are you ever going to use me? What am I just going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs till you take me home to heaven? Like, what is going to happen? And what I want to share with you today is when you think you have no past, it does not matter. God can still do something great. Peter thought, I have no past. There's nothing. You can't. There's nothing. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm this. There's nothing. There's nothing. Some of you in this room are thinking, I, I can't do it. Let me tell you something. Been in your shoes. Told God, told God in prayer, told out loud, you got nothing for me. I dare you to say that to the Lord. He will prove you wrong. And I'm a living testimony of that. So number one is when we surrender to Jesus' call now, the spirit will always control the physical. Number two, here we go. The spirit will always overrule logic. I know I talked about that, but that's when logic contrasts with the knowledge of God. Look what he says there in verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Logic. Logic says, I'm the fisherman, as one theologian said. And Jesus, you're the what? Carpenter. I'm the fisherman. You're the carpenter. This is what we say today. Jesus, you're in heaven and you got all those creatures and all those people praising your name. Kumbaya, my Lord, all that. And I'm over here and I'm in this relationship. Or I'm in this. I'm at this work. You don't know how bad it is. I got it, Jesus. I got it. See, the spirit of God always overrides logic. When God asks you to do something, usually it makes no physical sense. Go out into the deep. I want you to go talk to that person. That is the worst person in the class, God. You can't be telling me to go talk to that person. You can't be telling me to take that career. You can't be telling me to do that. Yes, and Jesus says, well, do that. Do that. Do that. Do that. And you're going, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And we, we begin to, to work this thing up. Listen, here, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of ahead of myself. Uh, this guy, Biven identifies this. This is amazing. Go down, if you, if you read this, he says, we haven't called anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Let's talk about the nets. They have been cleaning the nets. They were cleaning the nets. Verse 2 says, he saw the water's edge to boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Bivens, this, this guy that researched about this, talks about this. Yeah, let me give you this. Bivens identifies the nets being used as trammel nets. In other words, made out of linen, visible to fish during the day. And so used at night. And it took two to four men to deploy these nets. So they, they were kind of made out of this cloth. So they were visible during the day. So here, think about it. If I'm Peter, there's Jesus, and he says, go out to deep water. What? I've been out all night. I'm the fisherman. You're the carpenter. Your job is to save me. My job is to live. I got this, Jesus. Let's tell the truth. And so what happens then? He says, no, I take the nets. I've already cleaned them, God. I've already cleaned the nets. I'm going to put them back out. Could be wear and tear. They could break. This could be too much. Just add something in your life. You know what you're talking about. God, I don't know if I could do this. This might be too much. I might bum out. I might, my bank account might go empty. All this stuff, blah, 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 blah. You ask me to do what? And then all of a sudden he says, I want you to take them. I want you to go. But that makes no sense. They're visible nets. I'm going out. The sun is out. We're out here. You're speaking in the boat. You've already been loud. We all know the rules that you're quiet around fishing. I have no idea why. But anyway, so you're there. And then there's nets. 
that are visible to the fish and you're telling me to go out there. Makes no sense. When God asks you to do something, it makes no sense. And your physical and mental capabilities start to rationalize and say, no way. God, you're not calling me. God, you're not asking me. You're asking me to go and tell that person, I'm sorry, when they did me wrong? Are you kidding me, Lord? You're telling me to go be kind to that jerk? No, that can't be happening. No, God, you're telling me to go and share my testimony? What... Make it visible. Make my relationship with you visible. What if I fail? What if I fail? What if I fail? Everybody's going to look at me. If this thing goes public, everybody, I tell them, tell them my past, share my testimony. I could, people think different. La, 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 la. You just go ahead. Just let your mind roam with it. But see, our sinfulness says Jesus can't use this. And that is a lie from Satan. You got to understand something. It, this wasn't Jesus' first encounter with Peter. Did y'all know that? I'll prove it to you. Look back in, in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 38 and 39. This is, this, is, this is not the first encounter that Peter's had with Jesus. Verse 38 and 39. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Simon Peter. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. Verse 39, so he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Now, you would think at that moment, Peter would have said, Jesus, your Lord, save me. You have just healed my mother-in-law miraculously. Let's go back to chapter 5. Look, I got, we got we to nail this thing. Verse 6. When they had done so, this is after they cast the nets that are visible during the day. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boat, boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Translation, God, you can't use me. Now, why didn't didn't Peter say that after he saw his mother-in-law being healed? Why didn't, he, why didn't he say it earlier? If you go back in chapter 4, if you go back a little before 38 and 39, you'll see Jesus was in the synagogues teaching and healing. Peter had full access to this. Why did not Peter at that point say, Jesus, right now, right now, I surrender my life to you. Why? I'm going to tell you what the Spirit of God is showing me. The reason why Peter did not say, Lord, save me at his mother-in-law's healing or when he saw the miracles is because the miracles were never personal. You didn't hear what I said. Until you let Jesus in your boat, you will only experience Jesus through other people. Now, you know that was good. That was real good. I want you to think about it. Until you let Jesus in your boat, you will never experience him personally. 
John, I experienced it personally. I'm saved. No, you're missing the boat. Literally. Because what happens is, until you're willing to step out in your relationship with God, where Jesus has to do something miraculously, you will never experience him in a powerful way. He will never be Lord of the harvest until the harvesters go out. And he said, the field is white with harvest, but the workers are few. That's what he says in the gospel of Matthew. Repeated in Luke. And until he gets in your boat, it will never, ever happen. Robbie, I'm going to ask you to play, play over me for this. Because I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something about this catch. This is amazing. When Peter identifies himself as a sinner, when he identifies, when he says, look back at that passage, let's just look at it. He says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For, verse 9, for he and all his companions were astonished at the, what's the next word, saints? Catch. He was astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. Let me talk about what that word literally means in the original language. It means literally to catch alive or to spare life. His workers, Peter's friends, family, really extended family, were in awe that they saw fish caught alive in those nets. That there's a catch that needs to happen. And listen, we are called by God at this moment to do two things. Number one, we are called to worship him. That is the goal of the church. John Piper says it best, there is no other goal. That is the goal of the church. We see it in scripture. And number two, we know as he says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions is not the goal. Evangelism is not the goal. That's not my goal today, is to get you under some type of Holy Spirit guilt trip to go and evangelize. My goal is that we worship the Lord. And there are people that don't worship the Lord and because they have never encountered God. And so we go and tell them. But we don't really go until he gets in your boat. You can, listen, I'm going to use y'all for example. Brandon, that's why your ministry is so, your is so powerful. And all the other people that are in this room that are working with our youth. And in college, this is why it's so important because they all look to you. You walk in this room and you go, I ain't got nothing. Let me just tell you something. They don't know your name, but they know who you are. But I want to tell you something. Until you bring Jesus in that classroom... Until he gets in your boat, you will never, ever, ever experience the depth of the need of Jesus in your life and the power of Jesus in your life. You'll never experience the need of redemption. He realized he was a sinner because Jesus had gotten with him. Jesus had done something around and in him. His mother-in-law did not transform him. It was the personal encounter. And God is calling us into a personal encounter. And all he's saying to us is just love him. And so the call today, and I'm closed with this, this, and we're going to look at one scripture and we're closing out. Listen, I'm telling you, it's just to love him. Here's the scripture. To lay him in your boat. 1 John 5, 3. Let's turn there. 1 John 5, 3. 
All right, let, let me say this. The reason why I quote John Piper and other people is because when you walk with Jesus, when you walk with Jesus, you have to learn to be a self-feeder. If you're going to invest in others, which is our word for the year, invest. That's why you see people with Summit Church stuff on that says invest. The reason why is, is because we believe that when you're really a follower of Christ, you're also a discipler of Christ. You make disciples. You're not just discipled by him, you're discipling others. And I know a lot of you in here say, I don't know the word of God enough. I don't walk with God enough. Listen, I want to say something. Quit saying I and start saying Jesus. Quit saying I don't know. Quit saying I'm not qualified. Quit saying I. Quit saying I. Because if you keep focusing on you, you will never focus on the one who's in the boat with you. 1 John 5, 3. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So I'll go back to the way some people, God uses the self-feed or the way I self-feed myself as I, I listen to Piper, I read, I do some other things, obviously, to try and feed and see what other angles. And I'll never forget what he was talking about this. Listen, I want, you to, I want you to understand something. And this is love for God to keep his commands. This is not equal. This is not if I love God, I'll keep his commands. It's not equal. He's not saying that people who keep the commands of God love God. Right, Pharisees? Is that an amen? Right? The Pharisees did not did not love God. They would keep the word of God, but they didn't love God. So don't be confused when people say, oh, I keep the commands of God. That's not what he's saying. Because the commands of God in the Pharisee context was a burden. To forgive people was a burden. To love people with grace is a burden. To give them mercy was a burden. To corporate worship was a burden. To go and share Jesus was a burden. To disciple others is a burden. To to spend time with, with the Lord is a burden. To pray was a burden. Jesus said it like this. You like to dress up and look like it. But you're just a bunch of whitewashed tombs. So don't confuse when somebody says commands is equal to the love of God. Don't confuse it. What he's saying in this passage is, is when you love God, you will obey. His commands are not burden. And if they're not a burden, then they're a joy. Then they're a joy. Because a born again life begins to look at the Lord like the psalmist of 119. And I paraphrase those words. The commandments are my delight. They become joy to us. The word of God becomes life to us. It's because of love. The reason why we command or do the commandments of the Lord is because we love Him. It's not because if I do His commands, it shows I love Him. Oh, I know some of you, some of you might be quoting, uh, I, I think it is John 14, 15. Let me turn there. Some of you in your hearts, you might be saying, well, John, I, I don't know if I all agree with that. John 14, 15. Let me, let me, let me kind of read this to you as I turn there. John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. You say, oh, John, there it is. Equal. It's, it's equal. Uh, command shows, follow the commands, show you love. No, 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 no. He says, if, if you love then you will obey. 
but you don't, just because you obey doesn't mean you love. Listen, I can ask my children to do things and they do it because they sense of obligation or a sense of duty, not devotion, to borrow a pipe of phrase. So today what I'm asking you is this, to ask God one thing. I want you to create in this place, in your own place, Some of you will come down and kneel. Some of you will get on your face. I'm going to ask you to ask God something powerful today about getting into your boat. And I believe he will transform you with this prayer. Just this prayer. But I'm going to ask some of you, some of you want to, I want you to come and get on your face because listen, for you, for you to do carpet ministry and to get out, that's what, listen, that's, that's your place. That's kind of your, you know, your, your prayer closet. For some of you to come and kneel, that's your prayer closet. And we're right there with you. And we're laying hands on you. And we're agreeing with you in the spirit. And some of you, you're going to be right where you are. And you're just going to say, you know, Lord, I'm I'm just right here. This is my prayer closet. But here's what I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord today. I'm not going to ask you to obey God. I'm not going to ask you to ask God to let him have more authority in your boat. I'm not going to ask any of that. Here's what I sense the Spirit asking me to ask you. Jesus. Jesus. Help me to love you more than I ever have. That's it. That's it. Pastor, we don't have enough people in this place that really learn how to love people. We don't have enough people in this place that really know how to love people. And the problem is, you know, I've been kind of, you know, whatever I, I you say, we need more love. We need more, we need more love amongst each other. Listen, I want to tell you something. It's like a, a lady came to a pastor at Second Baptist Houston. She said, Pastor, we don't love people well enough here. He said, ma'am, I can't even, I'm not worried about the second commandment. I'm worried about the first commandment. I'm trying just to love God because I figure if I can love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then I'm going to be able to lay down my life for somebody else. And he nailed it. I just want to ask you today, are you willing to pray that daring prayer? God, help me to love you with all that I am. Listen, let him in. That prayer will change your life. Lord, this is our prayer. Help us to love you like never before with all that we are help us to love you just a simple prayer and Lord I think you're going to speak to people during that prayer I think you're going to begin to talk to them about ways that they can love others I think you'll be able to say to them hey this is this is the part of the boat I want to get in and I, I want to get in your love life I, I want to get in your movie life I, I want to get in all that stuff the, the ethical side of it but I, Lord my prayer is that we will just love you just love you And that's not something we can do, Lord. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The first thing that you mentioned there is love. So I don't know how to lay it out anymore, Lord, except to say, Lord Jesus, my prayer is this. I ask you today, in front of all my sisters and brothers, help me to love you more than I ever have. Help me to love you more than I ever have. I just want to love you. I just want to touch the very glory of God. I just want to be able to experience you in such a deep way that, Lord, we can begin to call out to others. This is how we can love. 
Help us to love you. We will love our family members better. We will love our spouses better. We will love the people we're in relationship with, our friends, our sweet mates, classmates, cousins, grandchildren. We will love everyone better when we learn to love Jesus. And Lord, my prayers for people in this room that are looking and don't know you. They have not, you've never been in their boat. They've never realized they're a sinner. They've never heard the word of God speak to them. They've never experienced the power of God personally in their life. My prayer is this, that they would see such a love, a sacrificial love from the saints towards you because of the sacrificial love that you had towards the saints. That they would realize that they need that love. And only Jesus can give them that. Just as 1 John says, we love because you first loved us. Therefore, just like the old song says, Jesus is our first love. Help us to love you, Lord, more than we ever have. Give us that. Give us that, Lord, so that we can be enthralled and full of joy and satisfied with just Jesus. With just Jesus. That is my prayer. In Jesus' name.